Hello, you're listening to the podcast Coffee and Books. I'm your host, Scott. Hope all of you are doing well today. I have a couple books on the horizon, and I wanted to start today with another awesome series, Dragon Ball Volume 2. Um, if you haven't listened to Volume 1, you'll want to definitely check that out first. Um, so my name is Scott. If you're new here, I like to read different types of books, um, everything from manga to graphic novels to uh, literature. Um, I'm currently reading a horror novel Carrie by Stephen King. So I like to read a little bit of everything and you'll see that on this podcast. And I like to talk about different themes in my books and most importantly, why I like them. Dragon Ball is no different. Um, It is an awesome manga series as well as anime. Um, It's been around for a long time, about over 30 years. Uh, It's been here since the 80s. Um, Dragon Ball is the introduction to our hero Goku. And like I said, if you haven't checked it out, you'll want to start with volume one. Um, this is volume two. It's about a 40 book series, uh, before it goes into the volume, uh, the next stage, which is Dragon Ball Z. Okay. So without further ado, let's get started with Dragon Ball volume two. Okay. So Dragon Ball volume two is we start off where we left off last, which is in chapter 12. Uh, there was this character known as the Ox King, which the, while the other heroes, Bulma, Goku, and the others are looking for the Dragon Ball, they run into this person, the Ox King, and a, at his home, which is on top of a mountain that is on fire. Um, so Goku and the Ox King sort of know each other. The Ox King recognizes Goku as Gohan's grandson, the Ox King explains that he had sent his daughter, Chi-Chi, looking for his old master, Master Roshi, which Goku happens to know. Yamcha happened to have met Chi-Chi on the road earlier and had knocked her out after they had attacked each other. Uh, Yamcha recognizes that he would be a dead man if the Ox King knew this. So he races back to go to her as Goku is also looking for her. Yamcha happens to find her first. He tells her he's in love with her and he had accidentally attacked her, uh, which makes Chi-Chi blush. Uh, Yamcha sees Goku coming, so he quickly hides. Uh, Then that's when Goku introduces himself, and he says he needs her help. Um, He knows her name, which convinces Chi-Chi that, you know, this is another person that she might, she should trust. Uh, She goes with him on this cloud that he uses to ride around. Uh, She is also pure of heart, so she can do that. Uh, She grabs Goku's tail while getting on the cloud, which makes him go weak. Um, And then Yamcha happens to see this. And then he thinks that he can use this to his advantage. Uh, So in a scene that is sort of embarrassing to explain, Goku basically wants to know if Chi-Chi is a woman or not. He finds out she is, and of course she's embarrassed and blushed and thinks that, you know, he wants to marry her one day. So she hopes that he would be her husband. Again, this is her first introduction to these characters, so keep that in mind for further on down the road. Okay, so... Next, we go to where, you know, they actually reached the Kame house or the Turtle house. And that was all chapter 12. In chapter 13, Chi-Chi is not sure if this is the legendary Master Roshi or not, so she tests him with her blade. Uh, So she has a bladed helmet, she takes it off and she throws it at him, and she ends up hitting him on the head. And so, as embarrassing as this is, Master Roshi takes out his driver's license and shows her that he actually is the Master Roshi. Goku asks for the Bancho son, a giant fan that could help put out the fire, uh, which the Ox King requested. Master Roshi only agrees to help if he can touch Bulma's breasts, the dirty old pervert. 
Master Roshi goes looking for the fan, but he can't find it. He thinks he accidentally threw it away after he had spilled oolong on it. So he decides to personally put out the fire. So he decides to go with. Uh, since Master Roshi is not pure of heart because he's a pervert, he has to take a ride on a turtle that can take him that far. Um, everyone then arrives back at the mountain. In chapter 14, Master Roshi tells Bulma of what him and Goku had agreed to, and she is not pleased. Uh, she only agrees to do this after the fire is put out. Master Roshi then begins a strange form, strange form of meditation. He then builds incredible strength, and you know you see this in his muscles and form, very detailed artwork. Um, and he uses the strength to unleash the Kamehameha wave, a giant blast which destroys the mountain. Uh, so we see this, uh, we see the home and the Dragon Ball, everything is blasted away. Um, and then, of course, in chapter 15, we see him go back down to a normal human again. Goku then tells Master Roshi he wants to learn this move. Master Roshi then says that it will take him 50 years of training to even come close to this. Uh, but then Goku surprises everyone when he attempts to do it and has a baby Kamehameha wave. And it accidentally destroys their car for traveling purposes. The Ox King then explains that this is Gohan's grandson and that he has been trained very well so far. Bulma then finds that, you know, using her Dragon Ball radar, she finds the Dragon Ball in the wreckage. The Ox King will use a Hoi Poi capsule to give them a car so that way they can continue driving. Bulma used her torture on Oolong forcing him to change into a replica of her. So this is a scene in which she did not want to go through with the Master Roshi agreement. So she convinces Oolong the pig to change into a version of herself because he is a shapeshifter. And she does this by using a torture technique on Oolong where she, excuse me, if she says the right word, Oolong gets sick. So she makes sure that Oolong participates in this. Uh, Oolong then decides that she is going to be as perverted as possible when dealing with Master Roshi as revenge. Um, Bulma is upset as this means that you know, she is losing her standing and reputation. So quite an unusual comedic scene there. Um, Chi-Chi then tells Goku one day you know, he should ask the Ox King for the hand in marriage. We see Master Roshi's nose is bloody. And then the team leaves to look for the last Dragon Ball. In chapter 16, after driving to a new village, everyone seems afraid of them, especially Bulma. Bulma is still wearing a bunny outfit as she did not have any clothes after she lost her outfits and cars and vehicles that were in her Hoi Poi capsules. Uh, while they stop for supplies, a gang appears in town wearing the same rabbit hats. That is why everyone has been so afraid of them. The rabbit gang then tries to kidnap Bulma. Goku then fights them and wins easily. Uh, so the gang calls for reinforcements. The townspeople then say, you know, that they feel like they're all doomed. In chapter 17, the leader of the gang, the Carrot Master, appears. He's actually a giant rabbit that can turn people into carrots using magical powers. He does this to Bulma after she touches him. The gang forces Goku to take a beating while the rabbit watches as he is unable to save Bulma. Yamcha then decides he must do something as he was following them and witnessing all this. He starts fighting and helping Goku. Poir rescues Bulma by turning into a bird and snatches the carrot out of the rabbit's hand. They force the rabbit to change her back. Then Goku uses his pole and drops them on the moon. 
This is apparently, a side note here, an ancient Japanese children's story of the rabbit on the moon, which I did not know about beforehand, um, in chapter 18. While continuing on their journey, Bulma reveals that her wish will be to find a boyfriend, and that's what she's going to wish for with the dragon. In a distance, a new character, Soba, is watching them and communi communicating with her emperor, Lord Pilaf. A robot magically destroys their car and ride and shoots rockets at them. Goku manages to hold onto one of the Dragon Balls after the Dragon Balls are captured, and so they track them back to Lord Pilaf's palace. Um, he reveals that he is, his wish to his henchmen is world domination, um, and then he traps his unexpected visitors in a prison. In Chapter 19, Pilaf uses a sleeping gas to knock everyone out and get the Dragon Ball. After, out of desperation, Goku uses his Kamehameha wave to create a small hole in this wall. Um, meanwhile, the dragon is summoned outside in chapter 19. In chapter 20, Oolong and Poor transform so that they can go through the small hole. Before Pilaf can make his wish, Oolong is able to wish for a pair of panties. Um, the dragon balls scatter across the globe, and Goku is upset that his grandfather's dragon ball has disappeared. Uh, Pilaf is, of course, angry and places them in a new steel prison that they're unable to break out of. It has a glass window at the top showing them the moon, and Pilaf announces his plan to roast them alive once the sun appears the next day. In Chapter 21, the gang is helpless. While they talk about the beautiful full moon, Goku is worried about the monster that killed his grandfather. He then informs them that his grandfather warned him of never to look at the full moon as it causes a giant monster to come out at night. Um, but then Goku accidentally looks at the full moon by mistake and transforms into a giant ape, destroying the prison. In Chapter 22, while Pilaf and his henchmen try and escape, Goku goes on a rampage. Um, in a story similar to King Kong, uh, Goku the giant ape knocks down the plane that has Pilaf and his henchmen. Uh, Bulma is trapped in her debris and is about to die. Yamcha uses his knowledge of the tail to defeat Goku or at least weaken him. So he grabs onto his tail, uh, enraging the beast. Poor then turns into a pair of scissors and cuts Goku's tail off. This transforms him back into a normal boy. Uh, in chapter 23, Goku wakes up the next morning with no tail. Bulma and Yamcha start dating, and they go to the city with Oolong and Bulma. Goku decides he wants to go train with Master Roshi. Bulma then gives him the dragon radar and explains that the dragon balls will be solid stone rocks for a year, but after a year is up, they can all meet each other again and go looking for the dragon balls. Uh, Goku then stops at home to gather his things. He then goes to Master Roshi. Uh, he sees that Master Roshi is watching a training video with ladies, and he does not notice Goku. Goku then decides he's hungry and eats all the food in the house. Roshi then agrees to train Goku if he brings her a woman. Roshi requests a woman who is a little bit more on the bustier side, and Goku comes back with a giant woman. The end of Volume 2. Okay, so, let's talk about this series. Um, again, Dragon Ball, great series. One of my favorites, possibly one of my early childhood memories of a, you know anime and TV shows. Uh, so, we see a couple different themes here. Um, we have the anti-hero Yamcha, who's probably my favorite character in this series, mainly because he's embarrassed of interacting with Bulma, uh, but primarily the thing that makes me laugh about this series is that um, there's a lot of dirty jokes that probably would not be able to be published today, 
uh, you know, this book is old, it's from the 1980s, so a lot of those jokes probably would not fly. Uh, more importantly, though, uh, what makes me laugh about it is that uh, Yamcha, the whole time, is trying to wish for a girlfriend, and Bulma's wishing for a boyfriend, and they end up finding each other, therefore fulfilling their wishes. Oolong gets his wish fulfilled in getting a pair of panties that he had always wanted, um, and that are hilarious moment. Um, you know, Goku is training to become stronger and doesn't really care about the dragon. He only cares about the dragon ball that was his grandfather's, as he sees this as his heirloom. Um, and it's one of the only few things that he has to remember his grandfather by. Um, but then, of course, what makes me laugh about the whole situation is the theme of Yamcha being this anti-hero. You know, Yamcha, he thinks, oh, I'm only doing this for me. I'm trying to steal the dragon balls from them. But the whole time, he's really a part of their group, which makes makes it so much better. Um, we get a couple different villains in this one. Uh, what makes me laugh is, again, Emperor Pilaf. Um, again, I'm not sure where this is supposed to be exactly taking place. I get the feeling that this is, again, still in China. Um, you know, this, this particular battle takes place in a desert. Um, you know, where they're fighting in Emperor Pilaf's fortresses and he's risking for world domination. Um, the whole situation of Pilaf being this kind of bad dude is sort of entertaining as he's like Napoleon to me. He's small, um, he's feisty, but he doesn't really do a whole lot in the whole series so far yet. Right now he's just commanding his henchmen to kind of go out and kidnap other people to get the Dragon Balls. Um... I thought the rabbit was a much more evil villain, changing people into carrots because, you know, he could eat them, you know? So that's very much a possibility. Um, thankfully, though, I don't think that rabbit character is going to be too much of an influence in the future. I was kind of interested to see where they're going to go, um, you know, but after they dropped him off on the moon, I don't think that he's going to make any appearances anytime soon. Um, but... Anyway, so what other themes that I notice in the series that are recurring? Well, I definitely notice that Goku is still similar to the Monkey God. You know, if you've ever done and listened to my podcast, uh, Journey to the West, uh, Goku is based on the Monkey King, a character in that novel, uh, which is from ancient Chinese tradition, story, and folklore. Um, and we see that here, that Goku is so sort of like an innocent bystander who gets caught up in this grand adventure, um, and then his, you know, his knowledge of things of the world is small, but it is growing every day, and uh, it usually leads to funny situations, you know, not knowing whether someone is a boy or girl, because he's never met them before, uh, you know, him using his uh, secret powers and how they gain strength. Um, I really enjoyed the first use of the Kamehameha wave, that's probably my favorite scene in this one, where Master Roshi transforms, uh, mainly because... I've always seen Master Roshi as sort of a side character, as being like this comedic joke, as being a pervert. But for him to be powerful and strong and showing Goku, you know, what the Kamehameha Wave can do is pretty cool. So we'll see. Um, you know, we'll see what happens. He'll probably train Goku. Um, I bet that that's something that we'll see in the future. And uh, yeah, that's my opinion of Dragon Ball Volume 2. I liked it very much. I give it a 5 out of 5. Um, I recommend it. Um, especially if you are into Dragon Ball other series, like if you've read or watched Dragon Ball Z, you'll probably like Dragon Ball too. So anyway, that's my opinion. Five out of five. Recommend. And uh, thanks for listening to my podcast.